Well, hello there, HW here, and thank you so much for listening to the Tone Junkie Podcast, episode 17. Looks like we're doing three in three days. Why not? Uh, Just got a lot of things to say. Got a lot on my chest. And uh, I'm going to try and be a little more focused this episode. Uh, First thing I want to talk about, expensive guitars. Do you need a Sir guitar? Um, Boutique guitars. Just that's, that's, that's what's on my mind right now. And I'll tell you why, because I wandered into a guitar center the other day, and uh, one of the guys at Guitar Center recognized me. He works at the Guitar Center in Nashville, and he said, HW, how you doing? What are you looking for? And uh, I said, hey, we're here to check out the Parallel Universe stuff, and uh, some of you might have seen on the YouTube channel, we made some videos on on the Parallel Universe stuff, which was really nice. Uh, They were really nice guitars. Um, At that price point, um, I had a little bit of hesitation about buying some of them, but um, the uh, the one with the, the double humbucker one, the Telecaster shape, I forget what it's called, the Troublemaker It's what it's called. Th- to me, that was the standout. Um, it's got the mahogany neck and everything, uh, it, and it was a really cool guitar. Some of the other ones lost me, and so, uh, but, but anyway, he, he came up to us and he asked us a question halfway through there, and he said, HW, let me ask you, who's your hookup at Sir? And I thought, I, I paused for a minute because I went, who is my hookup at Sir? I thought, I, I uh, well, actually, I do have a hookup at Sir. His name is uh, Mr. Benjamin Franklin because uh, I'm paying full price <laughs> for all my Sir guitars. I don't have a hookup at Sir. And it actually made me um, realize that maybe with some people there's a perception that maybe I have some hookup at Sir or that, um, you know, Sir maybe supplies me with guitars or something, um, or I have a friend there, um, you know, or something like that, maybe a YouTube influencer relationship with Sir. And I actually do not. I'm just a huge fan of their guitars. But then this morning I woke up and I wandered onto a Facebook group that I'm a part of, which by the way, um, there is a Facebook group that I'm just going to plug real quick. I'm a moderator of that group. It's called KPW. It's called Kemper Praise and Worship. And it's for like church worship musicians who play Kemper. If you're a Kemper guy out there who's discovered the podcast and you're a church guy, join the group. Even if you're not a church guy, feel free to join the group. It's one of the best Kemper groups out there. I really I really enjoy being a part of it and um, made a lot of friends through that group. But back to the Sir uh, stuff, you know, I realized uh, this morning as I got on there, there was a comment about uh, one of my friends said, "Oh man, I just got a sir. It's crazy. I gotta. Uh, I'm gonna. I might sell. My I'd sell some other guitars. I want to get more sirs. They're awesome. And then I went. And then I got a notice that he had just posted a PRS for thirty seven hundred dollars on the classifieds. He had a really. He has a really nice PRS single cut, and." So it looks like he might be he might be uh, clearing up some more funds to get some more Sir guitars, and I I, I realize I've I, I hope my reputation hasn't become such that all I talk about is or, or all I tell people they should play is Kemper and Sir, because those are the choices I've made to play Kempers and Sirs, and I have some other guitars that are not Sirs, but um, I certainly don't think you have to buy those. I certainly don't think. Do I think Sir makes some of the best guitars out there? Absolutely. But I, and I always say this about me, you'll notice I always say, I think Tone Junkie makes some of the best profiles out there. Because I fully 
think there's validity if someone thinks that the Embrit stuff is better, that the Sela Sound stuff is better. I think those are valid opinions. Um, they're not ones I share. I prefer Tone Junkie stuff, Just, but I, but I make them for my taste, right? So, of course, I make them to sound really – it sounds really great to my ear. If I wanted them different, I'd make them different. So they're my favorite, and Sirs are my favorite. But that doesn't mean that if you have a Tom Anderson, you know, I, um, uh, Michael Britt's become a friend of mine, and we sat down and talked about gear. He's a big Tom Anderson fan. He's he's got some Sirs, and he even has a Sir that he likes really well. He's got a three pickup uh, Stratocaster with three P90s. But guess what? He likes more than that. His three pickup Tom Anderson Telly. It's a very similar guitar, but it's got he's got I think Lindy Fralins in there, um, and. He likes that. That's like a, his main guitar. And from what I understand, it's one he uses a lot of times for profiling. So, you know, it, it begs the question. Sometimes I get people reaching out to me a lot, asking questions about Sir guitar. And I'm happy to be the Sir, Mr. Sir, you know. John Sir is Mr. Sir, but I'm happy to be the Sir fanboy out there. But I think it raises the question of, do you need a Sir? Are they the only guitarists? Because I'll tell you one, one, I kind of form a bias against some companies when I hear people say, like I'll be honest, before I tried out all the Elliott stuff, I hear people say things like, oh, the Elliott's really are the best guitars in the world. And so I approach them with a little bias, like I'm, I'm looking at them on the shelf going, come on, how good can they be? Well, I played some Elliott stuff and they were absolutely tremendous. I would say the fit and finish was hands down the best I've ever encountered. It just was. I, 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 what's funny is it, I could pick up a hundred Sir guitars and I couldn't find anything wrong with them. Nothing wrong with the fit and finish. But picking up that Elliott guitar, it was like picking up a Lamborghini. It really was. Not in a super flashy way, but, you know, it was like picking up a Lamborghini. Um, I also, um, we've had some good experience with, experiences with TMG guitars. Uh, they looked like they're making some good stuff, and uh, uh, the guy Jonathan, who owns the company now, uh, not the not Taylor McGrath, not the original guy, um, who of course had a lot of bad publicity and stuff, but but the guy Jonathan, who um, uh, who who took over the company, he um, he looks to be making some really great stuff. And while I don't have a lot of experience with those guitars, he, he, you know, it looks like they're making some good stuff. So if someone says, I love this guitar, or, this is my favorite or this or that, I think those are all valid opinions. But I want to talk about for a minute uh, boutique guitars and sort of the state of the boutique guitar uh, industry and how really what we're seeing right now, we're really in an interesting time because the lines between mainstream guitar makers like Gibson, like Fender, um, like Gretsch, like... Um, Ibanez, Ibanez with their newer stuff, um, some of those ones that people call Sir knockoffs, but they're they're just great guitars, roasted necks and everything. The, the, the lines are really blurred between them and some of the larger boutique guys. Is John Sir a larger boutique guy? Uh, yeah, I think by the standard. I mean, comparing him to other people who make a hundred guitars a year, those are like super boutique. Those are like one, two, three man shows. It, it's it's a really interesting um, a place where we're at, where at somewhere around the two thousand to twenty five hundred dollar price point, brand new by the way, which means used is dipping into the teens. You can get a used sir right now. You can go on 
uh, Reverb.com, and you can find Tom Anderson's and Sir's for below $1,800. You can get them for, sometimes you'll see a classic Pro Strat for $1,550. John Sir's, some of his lower-end models, and by lower-end models, I just mean it's a mahogany body without a high-gloss finish. $1,550, $1,500, you see a lot of those Sir standards going for, those modern, the Sir moderns, like the Sir modern satins. Uh, Usually they come in just mahogany or in black. And um, they're killer guitars. And you know what's crazy? They come with the same pickups. I've had a guitar with the same pickups that those $1,500 guitars have, the exact same pickups. They're the Sir SSV in the neck and SSH or SSH Plus in the bridge. And they're kind of for a little bit of heavier music. It's for a rock crowd. You know, it's it's for a, Gun, a Guthrie Govan kind of uh, style music. You know, they're not the most vintage-sounding humbuckers. The SSV is like a PAF, and then the, the SSH Plus is like hotter than that. So it's a rock guitar, you know. Um, you might compare it to something like a, um, a, a Seymour Duncan 59 and a Jeff Beck. Oh, there's like a small prop plane above me. You could probably hear it going by. I'm not too close to the airport here. I'm a good uh, 35 minutes away from the Nashville airport. And um, uh, because of our location, you don't get a ton. I'm not like in a, under a, a, an airplane route. You don't get a ton of planes coming kind of directly south of the airport, which I'm, I'm pretty much directly south about 35 minutes of the Nashville airport. So... We get a lot of smaller aircraft. Sometimes we get helicopters and stuff, um, especially, um, yeah, just, just I don't know, helicopters go around here. I don't know what they're doing, but probably police state, probably surveillance. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I like to say things like that and make people think I have a lot of opinions about those things, and I do. No, no, I don't. Oh. <laughs> okay, jumping back to Sir Guitars here um, and just the state of the boutique industry. It's really unique how these lines are blurred, but what we're seeing is um, there's really some great deals. Now, I, listen, I, again, I, I recognize that I, I sometimes come across a certain way uh, that I have very champagne tastes, and I do, but, but I understand that um, a lot of people are on gear budgets, so how do you, uh, how do you balance that? What's, what's the fine line between quality and... Um, quality and uh making it worth it quality and value really and so um one thing is worth noting look there are there's never been more playable guitars on the market than right now um for very low price points you could wander into a guitar center you can get a seven eight hundred dollar guitar many times you will not even need a setup but it's always recommended, I think, and especially for a lot of off-the-shelf stuff. Some of it may have shifted in shipping and stuff, and if you can give it a little love, that would be great. You can you can find a guitar that you can make your number one and that can play in tune, play comfortably, has pickups that sound nice, and will the audience tell the difference between that guitar and maybe the same guitar that looks very similar for $2,000? Absolutely not. It's a great time to be a guitar player. I wandered in and got an Epiphone 335 Pro. 
I wasn't looking for an Epiphone guitar. I wasn't looking for a 335 style guitar, but I wandered in and boom, there you go. It was there on the shelf and it was 390 it was 299. It's 300 bucks and I thought, "You know what? I got some great Michael Pope uh Porter pickups sitting at home. I'm going to throw them in here and I'm going to put on a Duesenberg Les Trem and, and change the tuners and that project is in the works. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. I'm going to do a video on it. I got to shoot some video before I make the changes and then after I make the changes. So all that to say, you don't need to spend a lot of money. And I know all this talk of sir and everything. Um, you know, people think, well, you know, that's nice, but you don't need to spend all that. I think it's a lot of hype. Maybe it is some hype, but the guitars are, are very nice. They're very high quality guitars. They're very, very nice. Um, I know a lot of people who really love the Alt T Pro. I love the JM Pro. I have the classic Pro Strat. I will make this statement. I think that you are hard-pressed at the prices those goes for used to find a better Strat-style instrument on the market today. And I will just say this. I would like to point out that even though I might be a Sir Shill at this point, and not literally a Shill because no one's paying me, but the fact that I talk about Sir so much, I would like to point this out. You will notice that HW almost never is recommending that people go out and buy the very expensive Sir stuff. I'm always recommending the stuff that is actually very much within striking distance of a brand new American-made Fender. Brand new American-made Fenders, sixteen hundred bucks, seventeen hundred bucks. Those modern um, parallel—sorry, not the modern—the parallel universe stuff. All that stuff is two thousand dollars. And I got to be honest with you, with the exception of the Troublemaker. I didn't see a Parallel Universe guitar that day that we tried them out that was worth $2,000. No way. I saw a like let me let me give you this. To me, some of the Fender models just don't stand up when you look at them by themselves. And I don't mean this as a knock on anyone who says I have a Fender and I love it. There's a lot of great Fenders out there, but just they have so many models that some of them are just kind of a ripoff. Let me give you an example. The new Strat Tele Hybrid model for $2,000, you should not buy that guitar. Here's why. It comes with 69 custom shop pickups. You know what other guitar came with 69 custom shop pickups? The 60s Strat, the 60s classic player Strat made in Mexico came with the same pickups. You know how much it was? It was seven or $800. So you could get a Strat with those same pickups for that much. The two thousand uh, dollar Strat Tele has a nine and a half inch radius neck. Do you know what other Strat has a nine and a half inch radius neck? Every Mexican and American Strat, basically out there, that doesn't have the word vintage in the title, has a nine and a half radius neck. It's the, it's the normal Fender neck. Do you know? Um, uh, do you know what uh, pick? What special nut? material was used on that guitar on the $2,000 instrument. Nothing. No special nut was used. Do you know what bridge was used? No, 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 no different. Just an American, just the standard American hardware was used. There's nothing different about that $2,000 guitar uh, than the actual... Morning! There's nothing different. That's my, that's my neighbor. There's nothing different about that that two thousand dollar guitar than um, 
then they cut away one of the horns and said it's now shaped like a Telecaster. And if you go read the marketing material on that on that instrument, it talks about, it says all these things about combining two classic instruments. And then it says giving you all like the spank of a telly from these Custom Shop 59 pickup. They're Custom Shop they're Custom Shop 69, excuse me. They're Custom Shop 69 Strat pickups. And by the way, they're not hand-wound Custom Shop pickups. They're not like they're not like my Fender Dual Mags, which I get in my Fender Custom Shop instrument. Um, they're not actually hand-wound by Josefina Campos. They're not, um, they're not hand-wound like uh, uh, the, um, the Tomatillo pickups. No, they're just the branded Custom Shop pickups, which means they're made on the machines in the Custom Shop. So they're made on the same automatic machines that they make pickups in other places, just those pickups happen to be in the custom shop. And the reason they do that is that they're able to make them in the U.S. Um, and then they're able to charge more money because they're made in the U.S. and they're custom shop branded. Now, am I saying those pickups are bad? No. Actually, the 69 custom shop pickups from Fender are some of the best production pickups that I've heard from them. And the fact that they come on the the, uh, 60s classic player strat, which I believe is no longer the name of that model now. I believe the name has been changed. But the fact that they come on on those guitars is actually a huge value. And it's a reason why I would say for $700 or $800, that's a killer guitar to buy. That's a price point that Fender kills it in. Seven, eight hundred bucks with those pickups. And then you're looking at a guitar where if you just do minimal upgrades, like basically just set it up, you know, make sure it plays well and make sure the intonation's right. And then maybe if you want to go from there, you could change the nut or just use some lubricant and make sure that you're not getting any binding. Um, you, you may change a bridge or something if you're very particular, but there's no need to do that. A good set a good setup and you'll be playing that guitar for years and you'll really enjoy it. That's a price point that stirs not touching. So I got to give my my uh, my hats off to Fender for what for their offering in the price point of basically 600 to 14 approaching $1500. Sir is I mean Fender really nails it. They really do. Um, and, and, and there's some other companies that have some really good stuff at those price points. But about this Tele hybrid guitar, don't waste your money. It, 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 it baffles me that for $2,000, they couldn't have done anything else unique. I mean, listen, they could have roasted the neck on this thing. They've got the mahogany neck on the Troublemaker. They could have put stainless steel frets on it. They could have put a Tele pickup in the bridge. They could have... Um, I mean, they could have put brass saddles on the Strat. Just put brass saddles, uh, b- bent brass saddles on the Strat bridge assembly and said, now we're at least combining brass saddles, which is a sound that people know on the Telecaster. But it, they didn't. And so to me, that's where I leave my head scratching my head going, hey, come on, Fender. Uh, you have a lot of models that hit it out of the park, but then you've got some of these models that just look like you're... It just looks like you were you were trying to get to lunch. I gotta think that I gotta think that that parallel universe series started with the troublemaker and they had some great ideas and then they kind of probably went to the telly and then at the end of the day they're like we need one more guitar and it was like maybe eleven thirty 
And somewhere around 11.45, they were about to start talking about what are we going to have for lunch? Like, what are we going to order in? Or when's lunch getting here? And, uh, and, and somewhere between 11.30 and 11.45, they came up with that Telestrat hybrid. Because, guys, it's a Stratocaster with nothing unique about it. No unique features. Nothing, no differentiation from the other Strats other than the fact that they cut one of the horns off and made it shaped like a Tele. It's not a Telecaster at all. But whatever, if you're into that, I mean, if it's if it's worth enough to you, because because the the basic trade off is this: you could buy a st- the, the the what's the equivalent of the American standard, or you can pay four or five hundred dollars more and get that guitar, or you can get a guitar with a, a mahogany neck, these great humbuckers, the troublemaker, uh, stainless steel frets, and and come out kind of way ahead. Or what's the option? That Strat versus a Sir Classic Pro? You'll take the Sir Classic Pro all day long. I'll say that. The Sir Classic Pro kills that, that Strat-Tele hybrid, because it's just, the features are better. Now, I don't know, maybe you love those 69 pickups, and you've been looking for something that looks like a Strat-Tele, but I just don't know how many people in the market are just seeking out those 69 pickups and haven't already picked them up for $150. Cause, cause that's what you can buy them for. So, so that kind of that kind of confuses me. But this illustrates the point here is that we're in this really interesting time where you have a guy like John Sir, and this is why I really love Sir guitars and why I praise them so much because I think the way they're making guitars is really they're really hitting on the sweet spot. If you notice, they haven't gone import. They tried to go import a couple years ago with a line of guitars called Rasmus. R-A-R-A-S-M-U-S, I believe is how you spelled it. And basically what they did was they sent they they had some of their like their lower end models. They took the Sur Modern, um, the modern satin models, which go for the cheapest and, and you can get used for about fifteen hundred dollars. And they had the bodies and necks made in Korea, and they had them all made in made in Korea, did all that. They brought them over to the US set them up in the factory, did the fretwork, set them up, and installed the pickups. So the wood was from overseas, then they did all the rest of it here. So you got the same pickup, same hardware, same everything. And then they came to the conclusion, we don't want to do this. Here's why. Because what they said was, what they, they thought they were going to get a really great instrument right out of the, the box, and all they were going to have to do was do a setup, and they thought all they were going to have to do was clean up some fret work and make sure everything was up to snuff. But that wasn't the case. What turned out to be the case was they ended up getting so many instruments that needed so much more attention than that. It needed more fretboard sanding. They needed more uh, – they needed to, to refinish a spot on the body where there was a mistake. They ne- the, the fret work had really – really some problems. And what they realized was the amount of time that we're spending doing this, it's not worth it for us to offer these guitars. We should just be making guitar, the American-made stuff, because we're putting in too much work to fix what wasn't done correctly the first time. So they came to the conclusion, we're not going to offer them anymore. Now, the ones that made it out, and they only did this for about a year, the ones that made it out sometimes go on reverb, on, on reverb for Twelve, thirteen hundred bucks, and that was the plan. They were going to sell them there, so it's interesting. And this was years ago, so that was when that price point was even a little more premium than it is today. So, 
if you find one of those, I would say check it out. It could be a really great guitar. The ones that made it out passed their quality control. But from what I understand, from what I heard on a, t on a gear page thread where Husky got involved there, John Sir got involved there, there was a great, there was a good amount of those Rasmus guitars that they got that could they didn't release because it just wasn't up to their standard, and I really appreciate that. So they didn't end up moving forward. Now, what? So okay, they didn't do an import line. Am I saying it's good not to do an import line? On the contrary, I like import stuff. I would say actually, for every Sir down that I have in my uh, in my office downstairs, I have an import guitar also. So I'd say half my guitars that I have right now are import stuff you know they're overseas made or um or they're near sourced maybe they're made in uh uh i was trying to think if it's anywhere other than mexico no just mexico so it, it's that's interesting to note you know what i mean it's interesting to note but what i would say is this what i really appreciate about sir is they seem to be taking sort of the sweet spot of the custom made handmade american stuff and they use cnc's of course but john sir for those of you who don't know ran the custom shop for years at Fender. He was in charge of the custom shop. And so if you ever take out a Sir instrument, look at the build sheet, and then Google Fender custom shop build sheet. It, it looks like, it almost looks like it's the same file, right? You can tell that whoever built that Sir build sheet stared at custom shop build sheets a lot. I mean, it looks like that somebody just went into Excel and, and, and laid it out the same exact way. But that build sheet is really the instruction sheet that lays out the production of every guitar. And there's a reason that when you buy a Sir guitar, it doesn't just come with a hang tag. Because they're not made like production guitars. They're not made like guitars are made in the American factory of Fender or the Mexican factory of Fender. It's made, every Sir guitar is made like a team-built custom shop guitar from Fender. Meaning you produce a build sheet, here's the instructions. Okay, here's what it says. Now the body guy, it's a team. The body guy takes that sheet, and there's always multiple build sheets, by the way. Because this is just how you do it in the custom shop. And I'm, I, know how, I know exactly how Fender Custom Shop does it. I'm not 100% positive how John Sir does it, but I'd imagine he's still using the same technique because it works. My understanding is they print three build sheet papers. One's going to go to the customer. One is going to go in their files, and one stays with the guitar. Um, and so they they it, it follows the guitar. Build sheet starts. Someone grabs the build. I may have some of these details wrong, but but because I haven't, I'm not intimately familiar. I haven't been on the floor. But this is what was explained to me about the custom shop from one of the master builders, and um, and I've heard uh, John talk about it a little bit. And it seems to be the similar same process. You're taking a build sheet, and a, the body guy, the guy who selects the bodies takes one or the, the the several people who do bodies they go grab a body that's been cut out by cnc or they're cutting it from the cnc and they begin sanding and doing that work someone else is taking a neck there might be someone who's pairing necks and bodies together someone's then working on the fret the frets and and as it moves through there's a body guy there's a neck guy there's a fret guy there's someone who's going to do the hardware assembly there's a finishing station there, there's all these things. The point is, even though the pro in classic pro, you could think stands for professional, could also stand for production, they have mapped out a, a, a standard set of specs that 
that basically try to map out here's okay here's the guitar that we're going to make a thousand times right and this is what's going to be available to dealers known as the classic pro of course we can do anything custom you want but this is going to be the classic pro that sits on a shelf so people know here's a standard model if you want if you go and change one spec on that there's it's not a special order I mean, it might be according to them and according to how they charge you, but if you walk up to that build sheet and you make a change on that build sheet, the guitar will come out with one one different spec. If you change the, the, the pickups on that build sheet, the guitar will come out different. It's not as though each station is doing the same thing every day, every moment. I just make this neck. I make a 2,000 of this neck. No, I make necks, but, but, but this build sheet calls for this neck. This build sheet calls for another neck. So understanding that the Sir stuff is really team-built custom shop stuff, if you want to think of it as a Fender equivalent. And that, to me, is a huge value. That really, to me, sets its price point at a point where I go, oh, $21.95 for a team-built custom shop instrument? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then when you take uh, uh, into consideration that I just happen to really like the spec of a lot of the instruments. I happen to just really like the spec of a lot of a lot of the instruments. I I really like a compound radius neck, and I think a lot of people do, and I think that's why you see a lot of pros playing sir guitars because I think most of the market right now. You know how people say, you know how there's Republicans and Democrats, there's left and right, but then they say most people in America are fairly in the middle, right? Or correct? Yeah, that's what that's what they say. They say, oh, well, most people actually, when you talk to them, they tend to be um, fairly fiscally conservative and socially liberal. You know, they tend to go, eh, I'm I'm actually, you know, I lean a little more here and then I lean a little more there. I'm kind, of, I'm an independent. I'm in the middle. A lot of people say that. I actually think that that is the opinion of a lot of players when you ask them about modern or vintage stuff. I think a lot of players actually go, yeah, I kind of like vintage looks, but I kind of, but I'm not so married to all the vintage specs. Like, because think about it, you, what you see in the guitar market is that most is that the most popular models are are very much modeled after the classic models. How many makers make a Telecaster that's all wood? That's all wood, clear finish, and, uh, um, and that looks like a fifty-two Tele with a black, a black pick guard, two pickups, you know, maple neck, um, you know, clear, fin- clear, transparent finish body has that honey wood color. All like so many. I mean, that Sir has one that's super popular like that. Tom Anderson does, LSL does, Fender obviously has the 52 and the 51 stuff. They've got no casters, broadcasters, and telecasters that all have those finishes. It's People love those classic looks, but when you talk to them and when you look at the market, how many guitars are still made with seven and a quarter radiuses? A lot of the ones that say vintage in the title that are from vintage series, but even when you look at modern production fenders, they're not using that that old fretboard radius. Nothing wrong with it. And then you look at a lot of other people and you see a lot of people going, yeah, we use a 10-inch radius now. Or you look and compound radius has become popular and you get... Um, you get uh, like like Sir does one of my favorite net my, my two favorite ones that Sir makes is really the two that they make. It's the nine and a half to twelve. So down, what that means is this nine. When you see nine and a half to twelve compound radius, this is what it means. It means it means if you took a circle and measured its diameter at nine and a half inches, 
that would be the curvature you see on the top on the neck itself. So the larger that number, the flatter it gets because the larger the circle gets. So when you see um, when you see a radius, because that's what it is. I'm sorry, did I say you measure the whole the the diameter? I meant you measure the radius <laughs> from the center out to one of the sides. Nine and a half inches will give you a modern fender neck. So the larger the number, the flatter the neck. Gibsons are about ten. Um, what's interesting is. You are probably very used to a fender neck. That's very common to have a nine and a half on a modern fender. We're all used to that. So what Sir has done, what a lot of other other people done with a compound radius, is said, okay, at, my, at down at the first fret and the first, second, third fret, I'm going to start out nine and a half, and I'm slowly as I go up going to make it flatter. And that's something that players really enjoy because a flatter neck is actually fairly comfortable. Um, if you think about the ergonomics of guitar, as you get higher, but too flat down below feels too modern, and you want some curvature to make it comfortable to form chords. So what they've done is they've basically taken a flatter neck radius and a smaller fret rate, uh, a, a, a more round fret radius, and it gradually changes as you move up the neck. It's compound. There's two different radiuses represented. That's really cool. The other one they make is what I have on my JM Pro, and it's actually what they do on the more modern instruments. And I didn't realize that I like, for you know, me, HW, I'm kind of like a fan of the vintage stuff. But I was like, oh, 10 to 14, that seems a little flat. But I'm in love with that now. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. I prefer my 10 to 14 and, my, on the, and the neck on my JM Pro much more than my Classic Pro. That's just me. The Classic Pro is very comfortable, and I like it. Um, but, you know, I have different guitars, and you move around, and you always have one that's your favorite. But if I could get that Classic Pro, it's even got me thinking this. Maybe I'll get another JM Pro and put some single coils in it, make it like a weird JM Strat kind of thing. That could be cool, right? But all that to say, in the same way that people would identify as being in the middle politically or being independent, oh, I'm a little, you know, I'm this way. I lean this way and this way. I think both parties have a good have, have some good ideas. That's kind of what people say generally. I think that if you talk to players, you're going to find players are generally going, hey, I'd, I'll go for some, I really like the vintage looks and vintage sound, you know, like like fairly vintage sound. I'm not looking for a, I'm not looking to really push the limits of the guitar sound. I'm actually after some pretty vintage stuff, stuff that's already been done. You know what I mean? We're all still trying to sound like Hendrix. We're not like, hey, um, what what's what's what tones do you think you're going to hear on the next Moby record? You know, like we're not really pushing the envelope that much, but players I think also go, hey, I wouldn't mind some modern appointments. Like, oh, a two post trem stays in better, it works better and stays in tune better than a six screw um, traditional bridge. Well, then just give me the two post. I don't care if there's six screws or two. It doesn't look that different. It doesn't change the, the look of the instrument. Oh, you oh these pickups are silent instead of having 60, 60 cycle hum? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll go for that. I'm going to go for that. I, I hate hum, you know? Oh, this bar has this screw in here that lets me adjust the tension more easily? Yeah, I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go for that. i got to move inside again. It's getting really hot out here. But I think, okay, all that, everything I'm saying, um, I think are, are features that people want. Um, and that make Sir guitars great, and that make a lot of this boutique stuff great. But the question is, do you need a Sir? No. And in fact, 35 minutes into this podcast, I'm going to say the thing that I really want to say, which is this. 
I don't think you need um, to spend more than $2,000 on a guitar. Now, people are like, come on. Obviously, HW don't need to spend $2,000. Lots of great guitars, 800 bucks. Here's what I mean by that. I think that somewhere around 2000 I think I've said this before. Somewhere in the $2,000 mark, maybe we can go up to 2500 I don't think guitars get any better after that. I really don't. I think that you can find used Sir guitars, used Tom Anderson guitars, used LSL guitars. I think that you can find used um, some, some of the Gibson stuff, depending on what it is. I think you can find guitars in the 18, 19 to 25 range, where I would say, is this better or worse than a $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 guitar? And I don't think it's a clear, it's clear anymore. I don't think guitars get better after about 2,000 and 2,500. I think they get different. I noticed some of the most expensive guitars, you know, I mean, I think we all understand this. Is the $15,000 like guitar from Taylor that's made of some, some like the old growth Liberty Tree acoustic, you know, they did something like that a while ago. Is that a better guitar than their 600 series? No. I mean, you're paying at that point for like the story of the wood and how rare it is. And I think that's worth... That's worth noting that a lot of times as the price levels go up, you're not paying to get a better guitar. You might be paying for some really exotic wood. You know, this thing's got Babinga inlays inside Koa lined abalone dragon tears. It's super rare. Like, and sometimes it's not even practical stuff, you know, um, Sometimes the woods aren't better. I mean, you know, there's a there's there's a reason that we use the kind of the woods we use. And there's a reason you don't see a ton of other woods making its way, what we they call tone woods. You see some of it where it's like, oh, check out this guitar, it's all this, and it sounds kind of like mahogany, but with a bigger top end or something. There's a reason poplar, pine, alder, mahogany, maple are all used, it's because they have an effect on the sound and they work. And and because there's a demand for them, there's growth of those trees, so they're not that expensive because of supply, supply and demand. There's more demand. So people who grow trees on tree farms, people who log in, in forests and stuff, they go and get those trees because there's a demand for them. So it brings the price back down. So is Babinga better than Poplar? Well, it's different. How can you say one tree is better than another? One's more rare. Is Koa better? People really like Koa. Is it better? I don't know. I, but I don't think guitars are getting better past 2000. I really don't. And I think that's why I tell people all the time, if you want a great Strat, go get the Classic Pro Strat. Notice I don't really tell them, go get the Antique Strat. It's more money. And then it's a little bit beat up. If you're into that, you're in cool. You know, you're gonna find that. Notice I don't tell people, dude, you gotta get the four these four thousand dollar instruments, these NAM guitars, the ones that Sir makes exclusively for NAM, those are the ones you want. No, I don't I just go look. They make all these guitars awesome. Can you tell the difference between maple and baked maple, roasted maple? Yeah, 
It's cool. If you like that look, go for it. But can you tell the difference between maple and eastern rock hard maple that came from an old barn that used to belong to John Adams? No. So don't pay for that stuff or pay for it. You know, I ran into a $5,000 Sir JM Pro. Uh, sorry, it wasn't a Sir It was a JM. It had two P90s and a Thornbucker and this beautiful like drip sparkle finish that looked like an oil slick on the ground reflecting light. It was beautiful, but I couldn't pay $5,000. I mean, it was a great guitar, but there's no, I mean, I wanted it. It looked awesome. It had a really unique pickup combination, but I couldn't pay $5,000 for that guitar. And is it worth it? Here's my question. If you can get a JM Pro for $1,900 used or $2,195 new or um, or some of them, the prices are actually going up. They're, they're going up to $23 now. But if you could get that, is it worth it to spend more than double that to get an extra P90 and a cool finish? Well, that's up to you. If you got five grand to burn and you're and you value that finish that much, then props to you. I ain't mad at you. But but that guitar, I cannot say objectively, is better than the standard JM Pro that you get. One, because the pickups are the same. Two, because if you really want a Thornbucker in the bridge, you could buy the standard one, contact Sir, and they'll sell you a new pickguard, a blank pickguard, for like $70, $60, $70. They put it on the machine, they run it, they charge you a little fee for that. So it's, I don't think guitars are getting better. So whenever, so I hope that part of the message out there can become at least around tone junkie stuff. What's the tone junkie opinion? Or what are the tone junkies going to say? Tone junkies are going to say, sir, make some of the best guitars. You got to try this stuff. They're so good. But guess what? So does Tom Anderson. So does LSL. So does uh, Elliot. Elliot even has some other things going for it. So does maybe a company like Veritas, if you're into that. I've heard some mixed things. I played some that were really nice. And ones that I was like, this seems like an, um, a little mistake here. But whatever. There's a lot of guitars out there in the wild. We had a Sir Alt-T Pro. And we were kind of looking at it going, okay, I, I see how someone could say they don't like this neck. Because the shape of the neck and the fret ends, um, I could see how someone would say it's sharp. But then we gave that to two other people. And they, they we asked, are these fret ends sharp to you? Is this uncomfortable? Do you feel the frets? They were like, no. So, I mean, I, I will say this. I just want to give this props to Sir. Um, we have ordered... Uh, let me just think of this for a second. Okay, I have three Sir guitars right now. Do I have four? No, I have three. There are is at least another four that I've owned personally. Okay? Plus, the Suze owns one. We've ordered a couple others. We're, we've probably bought ten Sirs sight unseen off the internet, brought them in here, played them, and then resold them or kept them, or the Sioux kept them, whatever. I will honestly tell you I've never seen a dog in the bunch. And that to me is, I think, why I why brand loyalty exists for me, is that I have bought too many guitars from other manufacturers that show up and are not good. Gibson is notorious for this. It's a crapshoot. If you go on Reverb and buy a Gibson Sight Unseen, you cross your fingers because it could be a great Gibson and it could be one of the ones that, you know, Ray Charles was on the production line that day. I'm sorry if that's offensive to 
to to to uh, anybody who's blind or anything out there. I have a brother who's blind, actually. Isn't it funny how we always use that? It's like, I have a brother who's blind, so I can say whatever I want about blind. I can make blind jokes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I have a friend who's blind. You know, I really do have a brother who's blind. But, um, and so I, I, I didn't mean any offense if, if, if you were a blind listener and, and, and the Ray Charles comment offended you. My point was, it looks like someone who wasn't even looking that day let this off the line. And unfortunately... For Gibson, and I'm not hating on your Gibson. You might have a great Gibson. The the thing that sucks is there's a lot of great Gibsons. The thing that sucks for those great Gibsons is they get a bad name because when you go to a guitar center, two or three out of ten guitars from Gibson have visible flaws. I've talked about this before, and a lot of people get mad at me when I say it, but I always say to them, and then they always answer me like, HW, I I just ordered this Gibson as the best guitar. I I know that. I know that. The thing is, when you order a guitar, it shouldn't be a 30% likelihood that that you might get one that's not very good. So, all that to say this, I real I love this and I feel like I'm we're spoiled right now that you could go order a Sir or a Tom Anderson or something just sight unseen online and I would never even believe it's a dog. And here's the real thing. If it were a dog, if something showed up with a with a fret end being sharp or something, I would reach out to Sir and I'd say, hey, Sir, I have bought um, 10 of your guitars easily. Online, new and used. I'm a big Sir fan. Look, I've got this YouTube channel. I bought this one. I'm not even the original owner. Will you fix this for me? I have no doubt they'd say yes. I have no doubt they'd say yes because I know other people, uh, my friend uh, Bill Boyce, um, who provided us with um, the Two Stone TS1 and who's got a couple other um, amps that we're going to be doing, including a, a Hot Cat. He, he had a classic pro, a classic antique, I think. And he reached out to them and said, hey, this neck has this one little spot on the back of it that I notice when I rub my, run my hand up and down. Now, when he told me this, I thought, I've never experienced anything like that on a, on a Sur instrument or really on other instruments, not at least out of the factory. The necks, you, you usually don't get any dings or dents. But he said there was this one spot on the back where he just felt like it was a little imperfection, maybe in the wood, maybe in the finishing, whatever. Sends it to Sir, and they tell him, uh, no problem. Like, they said, we think this little, like, we feel what you're talking about. We think this got out because it's within our tolerance, but but we'll fix it, uh, of course. Yeah, we see it. Then he goes, well, wait, 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 don't just fix it. Could I actually get a, could you make me a new neck? And they're like, yeah, we'll make you a new neck. And he's like, but could it be roasted? And they're like, okay, yeah, we can, for a fee, we can make you a roasted neck that'll go on this thing. And he's like, oh, and by the way, can you match it to my Telecaster? <laughs> so they go, here's the thing about the build shot. Here's the thing about the, it being formed like the custom shop. It wasn't, yeah, 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 we know your telly. It was, okay, hang on. What's the serial number of your telly? Then they went and got the build sheet for that telly. And they looked at the spec of the telly, and they knew exactly what neck it was. And they said, sure, we can build you that. So they built him another one, and he, uh, there you go. At, at a fairly reasonable price, I will say. Uh, it didn't seem astronomical. Uh to, to have that neck made and installed and everything. But, you know, uh, props to Sir. I think that's good service. And the thing sounds great. And it's Fiesta Red. And it's beautiful. But I want to say this. In closing, in closing here. 
You don't need to buy a sir, but you'll be happy if you do. You don't need to spend, I don't think guitar, you don't need to spend a lot of money on a guitar. But if you do spend $2,000, there's a lot of great guitars that you'll be very happy with. But there's a lot of $800 guitars you'd be happy with. And I think a lot of people hold this opinion, which is, well, HW, I would rather um, three $800 guitars than one $2,400 guitar. And to me, I go like this, that is a really good point. If you are going to say, well, look, I, this is going to be my only guitar. I'm only getting one guitar. Should I spend $2,400 on a guitar? It's going to be my one guitar. I would say that's really up to you. It's a matter of preference. I think having one guitar is a really great thing. I think you get to know that instrument. And the saying is, be careful of the guy who has one gun because he probably knows how to use it. But I will say this. If you tell me, hey, look. I don't want one $2,400 guitar because it's still one guitar. And there's no way one guitar is as versatile in terms of sound and options as three guitars would be. Then I would say that is a very good point too. You can go get an $800 Tele, an $800 Strat, and an $800 you know, a hollow body or Les Paul or something. And those $800 guitars, the $800 Strat could have a humbucker in the brain. And you could really be like... Hey, I'm ready. I could show up to a session with these three guitars and have a producer tell me any tone he wants. These three guitars are my Kemper. I can my Kemper with my like 10 favorite packs or five favorite packs. I can sound like anything. I can get a Tele with an AC30. I can get a Strat with a Twin. I can get a Les Paul with a Marshall. I can do anything they ask. Then dude, come on. How could you argue with that logic? Now, at that, with that $800 guitar, are you, can you maybe down the road put another $200 in it and improve the pickups? Probably, but that's a preference thing. I've heard so many great Japanese tellies that are made in Japan or crafted in Japan right off eBay that you play and they sound awesome. They sound great. Those, If you want some a good deal on a telly, Go get an older Fender Japan Tele, and when you get it, you're going to notice the pickups are a little bit bright and sometimes a little lower in output. That's a lot of times what they did with those Japanese instruments. That's just the sound they were going for at the time. You then go and buy a $150 to $300 pair of pickups um, from anybody. Seymour Duncan, Lindy Fralin, Lawler. Um, I really like the um, the Nocaster set and the Broadcaster set from Fender. I think the Nocaster set from Fender are is just tremendous. It's the most ballsy rock and roll telly sound. And your telly will sound like one of the best Les Pauls out there. You ever heard that saying? Great Les Pauls sound like tell The best Les Pauls sound like tellies. The best tellies sound like Les Pauls. <laughs> it means that the best tellies sound like tellies, but they're full and beefy, and they just sound powerful, like a powerful telly. And then the best Les Pauls have, they sound like a Les Paul, but they have a lot of bite and clarity to them as well. And they have, and it's clarity, not harshness, not high-end harshness, but clarity. So you go do that, you'll have one of the best tellies. You'll have tellies that I think rival... You will have bought a, a, a six, seven, eight hundred dollar telly, put three hundred bucks into it. You'll have tellies that rival two thousand dollar tellies all day long for maybe half the price or a little more than half the price. 
you'll save you'll save 60 sorry you'll save 40 percent you know 30 40 percent doing it that way and you'll have a cool thing that you know a lot of people like having something you can't just go buy off the shelf so in closing you don't need you know there's so many alternatives and i think by the way if you're a telly player those are I think there's been more tellies made at affordable price points that are awesome than any other guitar. Uh, cheap Les Pauls have a way of being a little finicky sometimes because the design of a Les Paul is a little is flawed. The 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 break angle at the nut and everything is flawed. So if you're not using really quality components, you're just you're just exacerbating those problems even more. You're exaggerating those problems. You're, you're making it really difficult for that Les Paul to do its job. But a telly is a slab of wood with a big old bridge, saddles connected to the bridge that you bolt on, three huge bolts. That thing's not going anywhere. It's not moving. <clears throat> the saddles on a telly are on usually big saddle screws of their vintage type. They're not moving. The pickups, it's just two pickups. There's so little to go wrong. There's no tremolo. It's, it's one of the most simple, straightforward designs of a guitar. And because it's so stable and so simple, it really lends itself to being very sturdy. <clears throat> Excuse me. It lends itself to just being very sturdy. And so those old Japanese tellies that you find are, they're just amazing. They really are. I got to get one. Why don't I have one? I used to have one. I used to have a couple. Dude, the 62 Japanese telly with the Bigsby on it, those are, those are more expensive, though. A lot of people have discovered those, and they go for more money. But you don't have to spend a ton of money. And I think if you say one of those tellies with these pickups, I put 1300 bucks in here, and I'd say it's every bit as good as a Sir, then I'm going to say to you, you are right. The question then really comes down to how much is a compound radius worth? And you might be of the opinion, you know, I played the compound race and I played this nine and a half. And even though the compound race is nice, I don't really prefer it. It doesn't make a big enough difference to me. That's what I mean in guitars aren't getting better. They're getting different. Or you might be like, I love these Thornbuckers. Okay, well, great. Someone else is going to be like, dude, I love this broadcaster set from Fender. Well, there you go. It's not better. It's just different. It's different. Or someone might be like, dude, I love these Shaw Buckers from Fender. Or I love, actually, these PAFs that are in here. Uh, yeah, man. I get that. So you don't have to spend... I don't, th- I don't think guitars are getting better over $2,000. In clothes, you don't have to spend it. And, and Sir is not the only person making guitars on this planet. I'm not sure if you knew that. But you just learned a new thing on the Tone Junkie Podcast. My name has been uh, HW. Actually, my name is HW. And you have been listening to the Tone Junkie Podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed the chocolate milk recipe from the last episode. Um, it really took me a lot of time to come to those ratios. But it is the perfect glass. HW.